Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? Places, 1983. A snobbish investor and a Willie Street con artist find their positions reversed as part of a bet by two callous millionaires. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Okay, I said 1983. I'm looking at the money here. Then we can find it later. Uh, How did you see this movie? I grew up on this film. Uh, it was one of the ones that my mom had recorded off TV. So I watched the edited version. So there are a lot more boobs in this movie than I ever knew about. And a lot of F-bombs. It's a, it's an R movie. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, so, yeah, it was just one of those movies that was on a continuous loop. It was this, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Overboard, and there was one other one. Bloodsport? No, that was just a movie my brother rented all the time. Nah. So me and my brother would, would watch this all the time. My brother could do a pretty good Eddie Murphy impersonation, and so we 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 repeated a lot of things from this movie. <laughs> and I oh I remember growing up thinking that the the two Mortimer brothers always remind me of Statler and Waldorf from the Muppets. Nah. They kinda look like them and they certainly act like them. I don't have a good excuse for not seeing this movie, even on Comedy Central, Mm because it was on constantly. I also don't have a good excuse because it's John Landis, whose other movies I thoroughly enjoy. Mm -hmm. I mean, Blues Brothers, Animal House, Kentucky Fried Movie. I even like Spies Like Us. I haven't seen that one. Three Amigos. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um... And of course, the thriller video. He was mm-hmm. huge with Michael Jackson. The Stupids, which is a secret oh. hate love movie of mine. I know it's terrible, but I love it. Oh wow! I don't, I don't know how to feel about that one. <laughs> um, yeah, you really don't have an excuse because it's definitely a rerun movie. They still show it. Uh, I will. I will say this: that those f bombs and different things there, mm-hmm. they are so superfluous at times. Yeah. As to be easy to cut out for cable. Oh. This is a perfect cable movie. Oh, yes. Um, the difference for me, there it was just like, oh, I didn't realize that that was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, And that's all it is. And now I can remember not um, not knowing to look for a cut F-bomb. Like nowadays on TV, they'll actually have the F-bomb in the script, and when they air it, they'll drop the audio on it so you can't hear it but then when you watch it on say Netflix or um, on their you know proprietary app the F-bomb will be there yeah um, we saw that that happened with uh, Mad Men a lot you could see like oh they just dropped the audio on that um, and they did it a few times with Walking Dead they didn't do it I know towards the end before we quit watching they would do that so yeah, the edited version does not take away anything from this film. No. Um, so that is fine. Okay, so let's talk about the cast. Okay. First we have Eddie Murphy as Billy Ray Valentine. <clears throat> this is him at his peak. He's amazing. Of course he's amazing. Um, he is the con artist 
who then gets turned into the wealthy gentleman. I mean, it's it's a My Fair Lady with... With, instead of one person being changed, there's two people who are switching roles. Yeah. And it's all for the entertainment of these two rich guys. And their bet is $1. Yep. Because they have so much money that it's it's arbitrary to bet any more than a dollar. Of course. Um, okay, what about Dan Aykroyd? Um, he's getting to play against his manic personality, mm-hmm. which is quite entertaining. Him playing a rich, uptight, white asshole is so much fun. Oh, yeah, and he's not playing goofy at all. Mm, there's a couple of times. Well, okay. He so- goes off the deep end at some point, which is why you got Dan Aykroyd to go off the deep end. But True, but at least in the beginning when he's playing, you know, the, the yuppie. He's playing a real yuppie. Oh, yeah, which is totally against his type. Yep. It's so fun. Okay, then we have uh, Ralph Bellamy as Randolph Duke. And Donna Michi as as Mortimer Mortimer Duke. Duke. Both old school 40s actors, 30s and 40s actors, Mm -hmm. classic character guys. And, you know, they're, they're doing... They're doing a solid job. They're playing the crotchety old dudes. Yeah. They're doing a great job. What about Delholm Elliott, who played Coleman the butler? Okay, do you, you know where you know him from, right? I don't. He's from Indiana Jones. Oh, shit. He's, uh, what's his face? Brody from Indiana Jones, from the the first yes. movie in The Last Crusade, from Raiders. and Yeah. Damn. Oh, yeah. That's the big deal for him. And a British character actor himself. But, like, that's the big thing for him is, is the little sidekick role with Indy. Huh. That totally... That did not connect for me. Wow. I knew I knew that guy. Okay. Very much an 80s staple. A lot of these people are 80s staple character actors. They all just... I, a lot of these guys, like John Landis, had made and watched tons of movies, knew who all these people were and involved in them, and so they they jumped in in a major way to cast a lot of these old school character actors because they'd grown up on movies like that. Okay, do you want to know a fun cameo? For one of the cellmates is Giancarlo Esposito, <laughs> Gustav Frein himself from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Is in is in prison with Eddie Murphy. That is amazing. Okay, so what did you think about Jamie Lee Curtis as Ophelia? This was her breakout big big role, if I remember correctly. I know Halloween was a huge thing, but when, it was when also was Halloween? Was it before seventy eight? Okay. But this was, if I remember correctly, this was the first major movie that she got lots of attention for. Well, yeah, and she shows her boobs. The, yeah, that didn't That's going to get you some attention. You know, I'm seeing here, she, did, I mean, she was, she was a horror queen up until then. Yes. Um, and then right after the, the Halloween stuff, she, she jumps in. Yeah, Trading Places is her first big time, big budget Non-horror type thing. Non-horror film, yeah. And then that's kind of blew out there. I mean, I still, you know me, A Fish Called Wanda is still the perfect movie that she's in. I don't know that she's the best part of it, mm-hmm. but that's still... No, the best part of that movie is Kevin Klein. Of course. Which is why he won an Oscar. Which is beyond rare because it's a comedy. But, and True Lies. Oh, I love True Lies. That's, a, one, that's one of Schwarzenegger's best movies, too. It's a dumb, dumb movie, but it is fun to watch. It's also one of Tom Arnold's best films. Mm-hmm. And Tom Arnold's a good actor. Yeah. He, he did way too many drugs, and now yeah. that he's sober, 
his acting has gotten a whole lot better, which is why he's getting to do more. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, and we have one more, like, super recognizable guy, Paul Gleason. Yes. Clarence Beaks. He's the insider info guy. I cannot see his face and not think, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. horns. Oh, yeah. You yeah. don't... It's it's always the breakfast club for him. And but that, that man has not aged either. He's he's he he's, had not aged. He is deceased now. Okay, that makes me feel bad. But you uh, know what I mean? All of his films doesn't matter when they were done, whatever his role, he looks the same in all of oh, them. Oh yeah, he always he was always the exact same person. And he was oh, James Eckhouse. This was this was bread and butter for him. Oh yeah. Like I believe that. Also special shout out to uh, Frank Oz. Uh, Fozzie and Yoda himself, who shows up as a kind of Weasley cop guy mm-hmm. here in the middle of the movie. Oh, uh, well, so does James Eckhouse, who is the dad from 90210. And, and Bo Diddley, the 50s blues, 50s, 60s blues guitar player as a pawn shop owner, <laughs> who is quite entertaining. <laughs> oh, and, hey, there's lots of great little roles. Jim Belushi. Oh, oh, yes. Jim Belushi, um, who has a scene... When they're on the train during the New Year's Eve party, they've got... Um, he's a drunken party goer. He's a drunken party Just guy. leave it and there. And he's got the, the gorilla suit. And then, of course, Al Franken and Tom Davis as the baggage handlers. Senator. Senator from Al Minnesota, Al Franken. I mean, okay. this is this is comedy circles converging. Well, this is a whole lot of SNL people... Um, being friends. I wasn't Chris. No, they weren't dating. At that well, point. Landis was. I mean, Landis had done stuff with Kentucky Fried Movie and the mm-hmm. Zucker Brothers, and that looped in a whole bunch of people from Second City. Oh yeah, the Belushi. I mean, mm-hmm. all, that whole scene was very, very incestuous at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think probably one of the biggest reasons Eddie Murphy got in was probably because he was on SNL. Even though mm-hmm. I don't think he was a a huge part of that crew per mm-hmm. se. But, you know, Dan Aykroyd and Frank Oz and all those guys make sense for John Landis. It's Eddie Murphy who's kind of the standout from that. A little bit, but Even he, though he's the best part of the movie. Uh, he he sells the movie. Of course. If he if his character didn't work, you, you this movie would be crap. Oh, yeah. And Eddie Murphy did a great job. So. Uh, okay, so let's talk about what, what you think about the story. This is an incredibly relevant story. For today it is. Um, there is a whole lot of racist shit in this movie. There really is, and a lot of class warfare going yes. on. Mm-hmm. And they, so, number one, it is 1983. That mm-hmm. racism was prevalent regardless of whether or not they're commenting on it mm-hmm. and playing against it. Yes. It's still ever-present, and it's very blatant. Um, I think people often equate racism to South, and I was like, "Oh no, it's no, it's, it's everywhere, and it's just different kinds." Mm-hmm. Um, but it just yeah, shows up differently. I, I, on the one hand, props to them for not shying away from it. On the other hand, you know, it's very insensitive to any actual concerns that Eddie Murphy's character might have to it. Well, I think that's the thing that shocked me. Of course, when I'm watching the TV edited version growing up, they dropped all the N words. Yes. They're all in this film, and there's a lot of them. Yep. Not as much as a Quentin Tarantino film. <laughs> but enough to make you go, whoa. They're not being stingy. No. It's not a one-off. There's several. Um, but I, on in the scenes where it's used, 
Here's the one thing. I don't think they they use that word just to shock you. No. They use no. that word to make a point. No, absolutely. I agree with that. And it and it lands correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with all the class. And that's what gets me. Very, very few movies, any movies, are able to talk about class very well in mm-hmm. any specific way. This movie pulls it off. Well, what's interesting is, okay, so you were talking about class, and I kept thinking about privilege, and that's what we've... That socially, that's the that's what we've changed the conversation to. In some in some references, yeah. um, but you know, privilege is is a huge thing. But sometimes it can be a smokescreen for a, a really deep issue, which mm-hmm. is class and economics and socioeconomics there, which are an issue for everybody, oh, regardless. Yes. And that's I think where this movie actually touches on something very different well and what's interesting is the nature versus nurture argument that the brothers have posed by this experiment correct um you know one is convinced that regardless of your upbringing if you are given all of the tools and the the finest things that you will be a good person yeah and another and the other guy is like um no, you're either born with this or you're not. So that's why they take the super rich guy who's just born and bred, Ivy League finance guy, and they turn him into a poor man. And they take this con artist off the street and they turn him into this rich guy. And he actually starts to excel. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's interesting. But I think at the end of the movie, it's like, neither of those should have to be how it works. Period. Oh, sure. Yes. That's that's the ultimate message they get to, which I think is great. There's also some really interesting stuff, and you you touched on this mm-hmm. a little bit when we talked. There's interesting stuff about uh, Wall Street and financing in this, and they give you a little bit of a primer on how trading works. Yes. Um. So the the business that the the Mortimers or they're also they own a company called Dukes and Dukes. Right. Um. What they are, st- they are stockbrokers, commodities they, traders, commodities to traders. Be specific. Okay, so they are trading commodities, and what happens is Eddie Murphy's character, Billy Ray Valentine, he figures out that he's just a pawn in their game, so he goes and finds Winthorpe, and is like, okay, let's get them back. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out what they're trying to do. Um, and by the way, if you've never seen this movie, you don't want it spoiled for you. We can we can end it here with it's a great movie you should see it, uh-huh. but we're gonna give away the ending here to talk about because we want to talk about what they do and it's and it's really fascinating. It's great. Uh, so they they figured out that there's somebody on the payroll who's getting a lot of money, but he's not an official employee. Yep. So they figure out who this guy is. Clarence Beeks, played by Paul Gleason. Mm-hmm. And I don't really explain what his actual job is, but he is the person who is getting the official government crop report for orange juice concentrate. Basically, they're insider trading it's, using government information. Exactly. And that's they paid this guy to get the Dukes have paid these guys to get them this information before trading so they can corner the market. Right. They want to they want to launch the price mm-hmm. up. And then sell off as they they want to get it as high as they possibly can, then sell it all off and reap the profit back. Mm -hmm. That's how trading works. And Mm -hmm. what Valentine and Winthorpe do is they give them false information. They steal the report. They steal the report. And give them the opposite. And give them the opposite. So that they bankrupt 
the Duke, Duke and the, Duke. Yeah, Duke and Duke, the Mortimers. And this brilliant scene on the trading floor where as soon as it starts to get higher, mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd says, hold off, hold off. It gets, it peaks up and then he goes, we're buying. Or he's like, we're selling. We're selling. <laughs> and starting a run on it. And then as soon as it goes down the tubes, they buy it back. So they know that as soon as the money, the money goes back up, they can sell it off for an even bigger profit. Okay, there's a great Planet Money article that explains this whole trading scenario if you need a little bit more specific information. But I'm going to read you the last little bullet point they've made. Winthorpe and Valentine have contracts allowing them to buy millions of pounds of orange juice in April for 29 cents a pound and then sell it for 142 a pound. They sold high and bought low. They are rich. Yep. And the Dukes made the opposite bet and they're now completely broke. Yep. That is basically what happened. Now, here's what gets really interesting. In 1983, getting this insider information was not illegal. Yep. It was perfectly fine to do this. That is now illegal. Um, Trading commodities on inside information obtained from the government wasn't actually illegal when the movie came out, but it's illegal now. It was banned in the 2010 Finance Overhaul Law under a special provision often referred to as the Eddie Murphy Rule. Yep. Which is pretty awesome that a movie helped influence a piece of legislation. Yeah, I mean, it, it does happen a lot, though. The, the cultural significance with it is it, there were many, many people who didn't understand how this worked, and I'm sure there were quite a few people with some, some little bit of influence who saw the movie and went, wait, they're allowed to do this? Mm-hmm. And then began, to, began the process of lobbying to get this overturned. Trading is such a fickle market, mm-hmm. and and these things happen all too often where it's so easy to get insider trading. And mm-hmm. up until recently, it was incredibly easy to game the system. Yeah. So th- this, and- movie, this movie lays plain just how easy it can be and could be at times to just rip somebody a new one on mm-hmm. the floor, on the trading floor. Yeah. So we'll link to that article. Again, that's Planet Money. Yeah. Um, from NPR. They're awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. Though I do think the rule should have should be referred to as the Billy, R- Billy Ray Valentine rule. It's a much better name for it. It is than Eddie Murphy. Because, you know, Eddie Murphy can mean many things. Or the Winthorpe and Valentine rule. Yeah, Winthorpe Valentine. The movie hits everything perfectly. It makes its points perfectly. And it and it did, they did their research. Yes. That's, that's the coolest thing about it. It's is. an intelligent movie. Oh, yeah. Incredibly and it, smart. And it completely holds up today. Mm-hmm. Because while... The I kept I kept watching this going, you could easily remake this now. You'd have to have different... Please don't. You would have... No, but I mean... I'm, what Nobody I mean is... remake this movie. But you could... If you if yes. you transpose the, the trading or whatever, mm-hmm. you could do it. Yes. Theoretically. Because ultimately, it's insider trading. Yeah. Doesn't really matter who it came from. But yeah, it's so good. So... What's your rating? Oh, wait, it's my movie. I have to rate it first, right? Yeah. I'm going to do four or five. Whoa. I love this movie for as long as I can remember. It still 100% holds up. And I, I mean, the only reason it's probably not getting a five for me is because I don't feel like it's masterpiece. I'm going to give it a four okay. for that specific reason. Um, here's, here's what I will say. It's the highest we've rated any movie at the same time. It's really good. What I will say is this is two hours, and there are moments that they let move on a little too long. True. The movie does drag at points. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's the 80s and pacing and whatever. But there's some bits that they let go on just a little too long mm-hmm. that 
have already played themselves out for the humor. That's um, fair. So that's really the only thing. I feel like you could get get this down to a tight hour and a half mm-hmm. and be a okay. <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah. Mainly, for, mainly from cuts of just scenes that go on too long. That's all. Yeah, it is. some of the stuff with Winthrop's girlfriend. He's a girlfriend who's a yuppie too. They probably could have cut all, most of that out. I don't know. It's pretty good. Some it's of the, very reflective of that era. True, but some of the country club stuff they could have gotten rid of. Well, you know, they didn't have to have it be quite as long. So, before stars, it's up there. It's still a four, classic. Four and a half. That's great. Mm-hmm. So that's the highest movie we've rated. Period. I know. I gotta beat that. Damn. Okay, do you think you're gonna beat it with our next movie, Taxi Driver? Well, I don't know. I think I will. I think, I don't know if I'll beat it, but I think we can get up there with it. Because I'm not too surprised at your rating on Trading Spaces. I keep, okay. I have, I have continued to call this movie Trading Spaces, which is an HGTV show. The that original. That I was obsessed with for a very long time in college. But... Wasn't it, wasn't it like TLC before, before that or something? TLC is the network. Yeah. The show is Trading Spaces. No, I know, but you said it was an HGTV show, and I think it was a TLC show. Oh, you're right. That's what I meant. That's what I get. Because HGTV didn't exist then. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Whatever, they're all merged. Um, but yeah, no. It, we, it, the it funny was, part was you kept saying Trading Spaces, and I was like, I'll watch Trading Spaces, for real. <laughs> that was a great show. That'd be a really good show to, like... Make fun of. Oh my gosh. I think that show gives me anxiety now. Like, I can't let somebody do my house without me knowing what they're doing. (laughs) Um, Taxi Driver. I mean, De Niro, one of maybe his two best performances. That's the one with Jodie Foster, right? It's got Jodie Foster, who's a revelation at about 13. Mm -hmm. Some minor character roles of very recognizable people that you'll see. But mostly, this is a... I I I don't know where to start with it. Okay, well, we'll save that for next time. It's a revenge story hmm. about the common man. Well, I'm really glad that you like this one. That was good. Yeah, when it's good, we don't have as much to say because there's not as much to pick apart. I know, right? Yeah. It's almost better when we hate things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, maybe I'll hate Taxi Driver and we'll have lots to discuss. We might if that happens. All right, next time, guys. Bye. Bye. This weekend, we finally made it out to the Alamo for like the first time in forever, (laughs) and we saw The Foreigner. A humble businessman with a buried past seeks justice when his daughter is killed in an act of terrorism. A cat and mouse conflict ensues with a government official whose past may hold clues to the killer's identities. Stars Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan. It feels like a Jackie Chan movie. It's not a Jackie Chan movie. Like, usually when you think Jackie Chan, you're like, oh... Um, it's a lot of kung fu, a little bit, you know, a lot of martial arts stuff, some funny tricks, couple jokes. That's Jackie Chan. Sort of. Mm. Some of the Hong Kong movies are a little yes. more. I mean, if you're if you're thinking okay. like Police Story or Rumble yes. in the Bronx or something like that, before he got into the Shanghai Nights rush hour okay. phase. <laughs> Shanghai Nights is great. 
Shanghai Noon first. Shanghai Noon and the Shanghai Nights. Those movies were adorable. Also, Rush Hour is extremely my shit. That movie oh. was awesome. I, I didn't see that one in the theater, but I remember it was playing. It was probably, you know, at some daycare thing I that did. I went to. And it was fun. We were... We Those were, movies are fun. We were Jackie Chan fans. And Jackie Chan is adorable. But also, like, some of his Hong Kong movies are definitely more thrillers. But they also did have... He was always the hero hero. Mm-hmm. He was a pure hero, even yeah. if he was being framed for something. So in this movie, it's more of a serious role for Jackie Chan, so you don't get his hijinks that we've come to love and adore. No. And then Pierce Brosnan is Irish. He yes. gets to be Irish in this movie, which is kind of fun, and very non-James Bond-like. Yes. Uh, he is actually Irish. Yeah. I, I did kn- not know that. I did know that, but we never, we rarely hear it. I guess there's like two two big things for me that were actually really interesting about this movie. One, they actually got the Irish conflict like dead on. And it might be the director, Martin Campbell. There's there's a lot of information about the IRA. Yes. And they're a part of the central conflict. Yeah. I mean We don't want to give anything away. No. But I just know like in other movies and in other things, they they really play this hard black and white edge of the IRA and this Mm. movie does a really good job of telling how blurry those lines are like it really gets into that in an interesting way yeah and then there's a bunch of there's a bunch of side actors or yeah background actors people you might recognize there's a couple of Game of Thrones people we totally picked up on yeah the first the the big one is Michael McElhatton um, Michael I can't do that. I cannot do an Irish accent. <laughs> I, not even close. I'm not going to embarrass myself. So that gentleman, I remember we're sitting in theater and I was like, I know that guy. Why do I know that guy? And then I was like, oh, he's from Game of Thrones. And then it was, who is he in Game of Thrones? Because there's a thousand old English sounding dudes in Game of Thrones. And I was like, oh, he's Roose Bolton. Yep. He's Roose Bolton. He's, that was, he's pretty great. That was the only one, I think. Everybody else is yeah. just an Irish actor. Yeah. You know, the, the the other thing that I think is really worth picking up in this movie, um, the fight scenes are actually really interesting. Because normally with a Jackie Chan movie, you would see the Kung Fu sequence where they're pushing, they're pushing those limits of physics, mm-hmm. though it's always meant to be realistic. So yes. a guy gets kicked into a wall... But you kind of sort of believe that might actually happen. It's this, not it's not crouching tiger level no. crazy. It's this, more like, oh, this guy got kicked and the force threw him into the wall. This feels more practical. And well, and here's what's cool. Everybody on the bad guy's side uh-huh. are fighting in the technique they would normally fight in. Normally with the Kung Fu with a movie like this, Jackie Chan would be fighting against a bunch of white guys that uh-huh. also know karate kung fu somehow. Yeah. They didn't do that. Okay. All, if you if you're watching the other guys, they're just fighting using whatever street technique they know. It's kind of military and conventional. That's fair. And then he and he parries he it. Does his thing using his thing, which made it all the more. It worked all the more better for me. Like I loved those fight scenes because they played it that way. Hmm. And it, it just makes it feel more real. You're like none of these guys would like know kung fu off the top of their heads to go after this guy. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can see that. You didn't. You didn't. Didn't make any difference for you. Not really. Yeah. I just really felt like it wasn't doing the stereotypical like over extending the fight scene. Like they they didn't make them longer than they needed to. Yeah. They didn't make it a little too ridiculous with you know the extra props. 
stuff that you usually see with Jackie Chan. So they're they're very tight. It's a very it's a quick movie. Yeah. It's a good popcorn movie. And it's competently made. I also forget so the guy who made this, Martin Campbell, mm-hmm. Mask of Zorro. Oh, okay. Goldeneye. Oh. And Casino Royale. I love Casino Royale. And and the Zorro sequel. No one cares about that. No, both were both were but good. I love Casino Royale. So he's worked with Pierce Brosnan, that's part of it. Um, but he's also made some really good movies. He also made Green Lantern, which I'll forgive him Aww. for. Everyone has a Green Lantern in their on their resume. That was a terrible, everybody, terrible everybody movie. agrees. Nobody thinks that movie is worth saving. A movie in which the nerd is the bad guy. I know. <laughs> Just kind of ah, nah. No, it's not good. Now, in the most recent Batman vs Superman, Luke, Lex Luthor is also a nerd who's the bad guy. Yeah, true, but he's also kind of a nihilist creepy weirdo whatever so if you need a good popcorn movie action thing go see this one how many stars would you give it Mm, two and a half i'll give it three okay it does exactly what it's supposed to do it's good and it's got enough interesting stuff in it that it is interesting and jackie chan is great it's it's more interesting than just your generic run thriller i'm still gonna stand by my 2.3 because i'm not gonna watch this movie again no and i'm not gonna own it Though if I had basic cable and it came on, I wouldn't turn it off. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's, that's a fair bunch, Mark. Yeah. All right. That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com. 